This podcast episode is sponsored by Arbor Vitae Wellness Center here in Santa Monica, California, where they offer services such as chiropractic care, physical therapy, acupuncture, and massage therapy. A lot of you have heard me talk about injuries I've dealt with on the podcast, and I reached out to Arbor Vitae a few months ago to get help with my neck and back pain, and the owner, Dr. Gerges, uh, we call him Dr. G, uh, he's done nothing short of an amazing job. He didn't just help relieve the physical pain, uh, but he showed me how the mental and spiritual aspects of my life are important to maintain for my physical health. A lot of you guys that listen to the podcast are musicians, athletes, or dancers, and we regularly get aches and pains, and it's so important to get help from somewhere like Arbor Vitae that takes the time to understand our demanding lifestyles. And I mean, no matter what you do, we're all spending time sitting down every day. You know, we're on our computers, we're driving and whatnot. So if you just want to feel better in general, Arbor Vitae Wellness Center is the place for you. All right, let's get this episode started. last story but i'll let you tell it i don't, I don't have to tell it um but anyway before we you know talk up a storm if you want to introduce yourself yeah hello everyone hello a song called life podcast my name is mato Waiyuhi. i am an artist originally from south dakota been in la for about five or six years now and i went to usc I was in the film school, actually, which is funny because I listened to a lot of the episodes and there was like mad USC, UCLA yeah. people on here. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. And yeah, I um, yeah, I make the music for the FX Hulu series Reservation Dogs. And apart from that, I make my own music kind of, I guess, like first and foremost. But yeah, I started doing it for um, season one and we're doing season two right now, like yeah. in the midst of it. So. Yeah, it's been cool. Just been kind of bumming around and been very grateful yeah. for a lot of the different opportunities. Oh, man. Dude, yeah. that's cool as hell. And um, how did you, I mean, like, I'm all, I ask every artist just, like, how they got into their, you know, direction. But now I kind of want to, before, like, taking it back to the origin, because you said that you went to the film school, mm -hmm. right? So, but obviously, you're uh, out here making music. So like, how did you, how did, like while in school for film, like how did you like get so deep into making music for film? Yeah, so I, it's weird. I like, I got to USC without a major. Mm -hmm. So I came in undecided and I had applied to this program called Iovine and Young. Okay. It's like Jimmy Iovine and um, Dr. Oh, Dre's nice. joint program. Yeah. They're basically trying to make the next like tech people. Mm. And so I had no, I mean, I was one of those kids who had no idea what they wanted to do. I just liked making shit, yeah. but I couldn't sit still. <laughs> I couldn't like, I just was not a good student. And so I applied to the, the school kind of on a whim and you had to do a lot of really specific stuff. You had to you know, create an app and yeah. say how you're going to change the tech world. I had no interest in that. <laughs> I'm really thankful I didn't get into that because I remember meeting kids in it and I was not like them. Yeah. And so, yeah, I got rejected from that. And then they, they asked if I wanted to just do like regular um, admission or be considered for regular admission. Mm -hmm. And I was about to decline because I was like, there's no way yeah. I'm going to get in. And then my mom was like, mm, just give it a shot. Yeah. I said, okay. 
So yeah, fortunately I got in just as undecided major, but that shit sucked because it was like, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's going, it's like going to a car convention and you've never driven or something yeah. and everyone's talking about the car that they oh, have yeah, and you have yeah. nothing to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm undecided. And people have this weird sympathy. It's like, oh, okay, you'll yeah. figure it out. And yeah. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I almost dropped out because I was like, I don't want to do this. And I loved, I was really like falling in love with music in tandem with going to college because yeah. I had always loved music growing up, but I really started working on music when I was like 18. Okay. And so I, yeah, I was finding such little interest in school and I was making music more than I was doing schoolwork and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, I... So I, I was like, okay, so I made this ultimatum. I was like, I'm going to apply to the film school, and if I get in, then I'll stay. If I don't, then I'll probably drop out or do something else. Yeah. Because I was like, I can't do it. Like, it's not for me. And USC was cool. I mean, we don't have to go into <laughs> how universities treat yeah. students of color or anything like that. But <laughs> it, was, it was fine. It was like, you know, I was grateful to be there, but I had no reason to be there, really. And so I fortunately got into the film school, and then I, I didn't really start considering scoring until my start of my junior year. Mm -hmm. And so it was 2018 and my friend Alex, he had a short film that he was doing. And so I was in the film school, but I also wasn't in the film production school. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of a discrepancy. I was basically getting an English degree in film. So I was oh. learning about film studies yeah. as opposed to how to make films. Yeah. And so I was getting this degree while my friends were getting, you know, film production degrees. Right. So he had a short film and it was really cool. He was, he's half Chinese, half black. And okay. so he wanted to make like a black exploitation film, <laughs> but it's about a mixed kid who's trying to fit in with, yeah. you know, the stoic, like super fly character. But then he goes home to his Chinese mom and is getting oh, scolded oh, for, nice. <laughs> yeah, wearing like a fake wig and stuff. And so I, you know, being Native American, I was the perfect person to do no i'm joking but like <laughs> i um so he asked if i wanted to do it and i said yeah, yeah. so that was the first proper film score that i did mm -hmm. and so it was kind of 70s funk curtis mayfield-esque stuff nice. and so yeah and i remember getting my buddy adam who was in my band in college and yeah it was the first time i was like because i'd always produced my own music but i'd never composed so i was yeah. like kind of coordinating other people to play these instruments yeah. and it was really cool i was like okay this is this is nice i i feel comfortable here i didn't you know nothing clicked where i was like oh i'm gonna be hans Zimmer or anything yeah. <laughs> but i was like okay cool this is this is a, this is an outlet and then in 2020 at the start of 2020 i got a text from my friend willie and willie is from the same reservation that i'm from in south dakota okay he texted me very Hollywood-esque, and he said, how would you like to score a major motion picture? And I said, no. no. I, was like, I was like, okay, that sounds great. And so he set me up with the, the filmmakers of this movie that was shot out in Pine Ridge, which is okay. the reservation. And yeah. he, they, you know, I met them, Gina and Riley. It's these two women who went out there, and they, they have their whole relationship with the reservation. And so, yeah, they kind of approached me and asked if I wanted to help score this, this feature film. And yeah, so I got involved with that. And so it was kind of these random occurrences that just kept evolving. And so that was like a big, yeah, it was a big production. And so I, yeah, me and my friend Stray, who he's more of like a proper film composer. He's done some really cool stuff. Mm -hmm. He did, um, he's done a couple different 
shows and stuff like that. But we basically got paired. And yeah, so we were working on it up until basically the pandemic hit. And then it was kind of in flux with the pandemic. So we were off and on for a while. But through Gina and Riley, uh, Reservation Dogs happened, which basically, because Sterling, the showrunner of Res Dogs, Mm -hmm. he was a fan of mine for a while. And he, I had heard of him because we call it like Indian country, which is like our little, you know, native, you know, colloquial term in America, basically, which is, you know, and everyone knows everybody. It's a really small network. And so I had heard about him. He'd heard about me. But then I got word from Gina and Riley that he wanted to basically reach out to me for the show. But Hollywood is Hollywood. You know, you always hear stuff. So I wasn't holding my breath. I was like, okay, cool. This is yeah, well, well, you know, that's exciting if it happens. Yeah. And then, yeah, I finally got the call in, like, February of 2021, and he asked wow. if I wanted to do it. And I was like, yeah, I would love to. Just let me know what the plan is. And he said, it's not a guarantee because I have to, you know, in so many words, he said I have to basically convince the network to hire mm. this no-name kid yeah. to do the score for this, you know, FX series. Yeah. And so, yeah, a couple of weeks later, I got the green light, and then we kind of just, like, started. And so it was weird. I never thought I would do yeah. scoring at all. But it's been really, you know, I've been really grateful because the, the film, um, Gina and Riley's film, War Pony, it premiered at Cannes Film Festival a couple months ago, and then it actually won the film that it was, or it won the award that it was nominated for. And then, yeah, Res Dogs has been doing really well. It got the Peabody Award and yeah. got renewed for season two. So it's crazy. It's, it's, I'm really, really grateful. It feels like a dream sometimes. Yeah. And Damn. that's yeah. crazy. Wait, so, and that, that's so, I, it's, uh, I think, like, going into, uh, you probably have one of the, like, most interesting, um, like, from beginning, I'm undecided in school and then just, like, landing into this fucking and this is and you're you're not only doing music you're doing it at a high level and i think to like um like to stumble into it and then also have the skill set to like i mean it's one thing to get calls for opportunities but then to also have the skill set to like do well and then be sought out for your talents again it's kind of uh that, that's crazy how that worked. Like, I mean, because clearly you were like ready for those opportunities, but the fact that you weren't really like directly gunning for them is wild. I feel like that that happens like maybe once in a blue moon. For, you know, that that's that's crazy though. So I'm, that that makes me interested in terms of like, so so what's the musical journey been for you in terms? Because I know you make your own music, but I, I'm I'm guessing music starts like super early for you just in general. Yeah, I think so. I always was super, super interested in kind of the performance aspect of music because I don't know. I feel like kids who can be in front of others and either be funny or big or whatever, that's kind of you gravitate towards any field of entertainment. So I loved, yeah, putting on a show for people basically. And so I always gravitated towards that. And I I was really impressionable growing up. I still am to a large extent, but I was super impressionable. So Mm. the first folks who I ever saw on stage, not even in person, just literally videos of or whatever, I was really gravitating towards them. So like Green Day. I remember like my sister, my, my, one of my sisters, Micah, she introduced me to Green Day when I was six years old. And then at 
eight years old, I wore mascara to a bat mitzvah because <laughs> like I was super impressionable and I wanted to be like a rock star and yeah. it was so cool to me. And yeah, so I, I don't know. I always loved music and I never, I didn't know, I, I could not sit still growing up. So I couldn't play instruments. Oh, I yeah. couldn't like, and it, it felt too educational. I yeah. don't know. I just couldn't, it was too, it was too much for me to really comprehend. And so, but music on the flip side too was always, it was always kind of, I don't know, ingrained in my culture, just mm. being native and song is so just integral to ceremonies and everything. Yeah. So I always was around music and I was always singing, but I never really had a proper training or anything like that. And so I, yeah, I just kept finding these artists that I would like fall in love with and become obsessed about. Like, it's like Green Day and then it would go to like, weird like hair metal shit yeah. you know like all of these different these different groups and motley crew and then you know just all these black sabbath like these random bands and these random groups that just kept kind of just ballooning my appreciation for everything yeah. and so yeah i just kept going with that and then around and i was always my parents were always really had a very eclectic taste because my, my mom loved reggae, my dad loved like 90s hip hop, but then we also listened to, you know, a little bit of like, you know, maybe like a Nina Simone, mm -hmm. and then, but also listening to top 40 hits, and then, yeah. you know, it's just so, I got a weird, weird mix of stuff. And then I discovered, I really got into hip hop. Um, I was listening to Ice Cube and, and Tupac growing up and stuff like that, so I always knew what it was. and. I was always kind of good at rapping for some reason. Yeah. Like I just was, I don't know what it was. I could just like think of rhymes and, but I really fell in love in like sixth and seventh grade because that's when Odd Future happened. Uh, yeah. And so yeah. pre post Odd Future for me. And so I was enthralled. I was like, and it was just, it was a perfect storm. Like parents split up, like going yeah. through shit and then hearing their music. <laughs> oh my God. I was so Oh God, it changed everything for me. And that was such a cool time in life because it was like 2011, 2012, yeah. blogs were happening, you know, right. everything wasn't commodified yeah. quite yet. And like <laughs> mixtapes were still a thing. So it was really cool. So I just, it was like a perfect time for me. And so that's when, and I think when you listen to music at that very pivotal age of like, you know, you know like 11 through 14, mm -hmm. that it informs everything. Yeah. And what I love about, that era of music that was coming out of LA. Cause if you think about it, like that was odd future. That was brain feeder. That was top dog. Yeah. That is all this, this perfect blend of, of music that was super, super jazz based, super hip hop based. And so I was falling in love with all of that shit simultaneously. Yeah. And so it was really cool to basically like just get educated on that. And those artists are really great. Cause they're always, they're always taking from different artists. So it was just, completely you know yeah. i just skyrocketed my whole appreciation for that shit and then i remember listening to joey badass when i was like 15 and he was like 17 oh, yeah. and i was like and then my mind clicked yeah. i was like wait what is stopping me from like doing this yeah. and that was like nothing and i was always writing little raps when i was like in seventh grade and eighth grade and you know shockingly south dakota doesn't have the craziest music <laughs> scene so i was like i kept it very insular yeah and i yeah, I just kept going with it. And then I basically started rapping when I was like 15 and 16. And I was like recording my voice. And people hate the sounds of their voice. I hate mine too. But when I was rapping, everything changed. And there was never a second thought with it. 
I was like, okay, dope. This is happening. I'm, I'm literally a rapper now. <laughs> like I played football and I was, I was, at, I remember this so clearly. I was at football practice, just like waiting in line to do a drill or something. And it was like July. And I was like, man, I don't know how I'm going to stay in school. Cause you know, I'm probably going to be on a world tour in November. <laughs> like, they, like this just like <laughs> ludicrous shit. But I was really, I mean, yeah. and I'm still that way now, like eight, nine years later, I still am like thinking in that mindset, like there's nothing stopping me from doing this yeah. shit. And so, yeah, I really just started from there. And then every year I would kind of integrate something more musically into my, I guess, Rolodex. Mm -hmm. So I would, you know, started fiddling on piano and then I was learning like Ableton and then getting just more into stuff. And then I was like, um, I was really grateful to like, there was a lot of like kind of OGs in the area who were really like helpful and they were like super instrumental in like getting me on stage and yeah. stuff. And like, yeah, so I was really ironing out my shit. And then I moved to LA and yeah, everything kind of started there where yeah. I was like, cause I, I grew up on LA culture. I grew up on, I mean, everyone grows up on movies, but like I specifically, I remember, do you know Mind Design? Nah, I don't okay, think so. Knowledge, like the, the producer? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Knowledge. So Knowledge is on Stone's Throw and he had a show with Mind Design and it's called like Breakfast with Ringo. Okay. And so it's basically just them like two and a half hours. It's basically just a radio show. They're smoking weed, eating breakfast, <laughs> playing music. I saw that in 2014 and it's really minimal. It's just two cameras. It's just them in a studio and just playing music. And I was like, <laughs> like I was like what the fuck like you can do this and it was so cr I was like I'm, I'm going to LA like I'm going to LA yeah. and so um yeah that's kind of how everything started and so I got to LA and just kept it pushing and like yeah. and it was tough because I was like I was it's funny I was in two schools at the same time I was I was I was in college but I was studying music it was like a weird thing yeah and I but I still had and I still to this day I still have kind of a disdain for folks who try to over I don't know, they, they make it too regimented in education. And I think mm. that's great. And I think a degree of education is super important. Mm -hmm. But like, I remember going to the, like I went to the music school at USC and, and asked one of the people if I should apply. And they're like, if you don't fucking love it, like if you're not going to die for this, <laughs> yeah. then don't apply. And I was like, why are you, yeah. why did you just like rain my parade? Yeah. So yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I got started with everything. Yeah, no, nah, that's uh, and that that last thing you just said is is so true because I think especially for the arts, um, and when you're young, you're gonna run into older people that like apply, like like you don't realize when you're young when you're getting advice from people that depending on who it's coming from, like a big part of that is like how they see the world, how they see themselves and how they fit in it. And I think like, um, like I remember personally, like a big thing for me was uh, coming here and instrumentalists being like, you know, this is going to take you like 10 years to figure out and build this network and do this and do all this stuff. And I think for the most part that that's coming from a good place, but like, it's, it's, I think it, it, it just like bothers 
people when you have that mindset of like, yo, like I'm, I'm looking for something right now. I'm going to work for it. I'm going to be available for the opportunity. And then like you actually succeed. Cause like a lot of people have this weird thing where it's like, well, the, for the average person, you're going to have like this crazy fucking grind and you have to like do all this and do all that. And then like, but, but a lot of times it's, it's just like, you were ready for an opportunity. You had the talent and then like, you just, you made it happen. Boom, mm -hmm. you know but of course maybe the average composer it, it might take them um, whatever be and not not even because of their talent that it'll take a lot of time but just because like usually there's this like well there's rules to follow so if i do this right and do that instead of like actually going out into the world and just being like all right like well if i position myself here i can get this and it kind of sounds like you you have a natural savvy way of just putting yourselves in the right yourself in the right spot that like probably like the average student just like wouldn't know to do like you know that that you know that like vibe uh when you're in college and like that energy of like people just like sitting and waiting for an opportunity mm -hmm. i do think it'll it'll probably it probably will take you 10 15 years to accomplish <laughs> something if you you're just, just sitting, sit yeah. and wait for the fucking thing, it's like, yeah, you're probably right, right. you know, but like, I, I like that, you know, you, you're like, and I came to LA and I just started hustling and you're still hustling. Cause I think, I think like, like a lot of those averages don't, it doesn't show like the hustle of the individual and like the creativity that we all individually have to like get to a position that we want to be in, you know? So the fact that like you made that happen like for yourself uh, and you're obviously you're still super young. I mean, it, I, th I feel like you're one of those examples where it's like, damn, if you're just ready for the moment, like you got your shit in a row where it really matters, which is like actually being good at making the music, <laughs> you know, that's step fucking one. And then that, and then that, that's really, that's really, it's hard to put into words but I've, I've, I've talked about that topic, um, that last thing that you said of, uh, you know, going to somebody and being like, oh, well, you know, you just can't do that because, like, here's the rules. It's like, there's no rules to this shit. No. You know, like, no. So, that's awesome, man. Thank that's you. That's crazy. I mean, how, what is it, what has it been like um, in terms of, like, getting ready to write the music? Um, I guess the first big project that you did, the indie film, mm -hmm. like, I know a lot of composers have a, a process. Um, they're like, oh, well, here's my approach to, like, writing films. So I guess, like, that being, like, your first thing that you're working, like, there's, like, studio deadlines and shit and all this stuff. Like, what, what was that first experience like, just, like, coming up with this music for such an official thing? Yeah, it was weird i mean it was it was less ominous than i think you just made it sound because <laughs> it was like it was really yeah it felt like i was working with friends which was really cool and i remember stray so for background stray is like this very like lauded um musician from australia and he's worked in like dj groups and like you know all these things he's done a lot of really dope shit and so he he's much older than I am too and like very experienced but he's still so 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 
curious mm. and excited about music. Yeah. And so it was really inspiring for me because I didn't know what to expect. I think I was, what was I, like 22, 23 at the time. And so I'm, I'm going into this like huge ass studio that's really nice working with this guy that I've just met. And he was like so, so open to stuff, so open to my ideas and really collaborative. And so it was a really good, really, really, really positive first experience doing something that big. And I, you know, Gene and Riley have been doing it for years and they're really like really talented themselves. And I was like, I think there's so, especially like, I feel like there's a, a couple tiers of it. There's the tier of being young in the film and music industry because everyone you're either the the product, which is like the 18 year olds, yeah. or you are behind the scenes. And everyone behind the scenes is usually older. Yeah. So me being behind the scenes, I was I'm I'm still and probably will be for a minute always the youngest person in the room. And so there's that imposter syndrome, and then there's the imposter syndrome of being you know like an artist of color in a predominantly white industry. Yeah. So then I'm like, oh God, this is like double shit that's going on. So it's, and it's so sad. It's like, I, I go through it still. It's like, I'm only doing, I'm only getting this cause I'm the token native or like, mm. I'm only doing this because I'm, you know, fitting their quota or whatever. And I think that, I mean, that's totally natural, but it, it's those weird things of doubt, but something that kind of pushed me through all of that shit and what still does now. And like when I got there too, I was like, okay, well one, this isn't random. Like they didn't draw your name out of a hat. Like you were sought after. Yeah. Someone, someone, someone saw your shit and saw what you were doing, and they liked it enough to like reach out. So I was like, all right, there's one. Two, it's like, I, like I'm gonna do what I do, and yeah. like I'm just gonna try to make do the best that I can. And there's really no pressure at the end of the day when it comes down to that, you yeah. know. And so, yeah, I don't know. It was really, it was really gratifying to be working on that film. Because, yeah, it was super, I mean, we went through so many different ideas and so many different musical motifs that mm. we tried to make happen. And a lot of shit got thrown in the trash. But a lot of it was, like, really, it was interesting. It was, like, mixing different cultural elements of music mm. from, like, my Lakota culture, but then also giving it, like, a bony ver, like, a, a really, like, mm. cool kind of, like, queering it a little bit. So it was really dope. And, like, yeah, I was really, really grateful to be in such an open space and to try different stuff. Yeah. And yeah, it was it was amazing. And like we were just trying different stuff out. Like we actually ended up going with like a lot of um, upright bass stuff, and not even playing it, but like just fucking touching it. Like just yeah. like because <laughs> it's such a loud instrument without even playing, yeah. you know, with the bow and everything. So and then we would like stray. With, I don't even know the term, but he would basically kind of distort the the chords on his piano okay. like and so it would sound really ominous wow. and so we would just be i'd be playing piano and he'd be playing um upright bass and we'd kind of be watching it at the oh, same time nice. so it was really cool it was really experimental and that that really opened my eyes to a lot of different opportunity um just for like scoring in general because i think it it goes back to what you were talking about having the set rule mm -hmm. is is it can be a really kind of reductive quality to music yeah. of where it's like, no, you need to do this. You need to have the swelling strings. Yeah. You need to have the, the, the synth and everything like that. Yeah. But it was really cool. And, and so, yeah, I was really fortunate to be in a position where I could try different stuff out. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was cool. Nice. Dude, that, that, that honestly, I think you've probably had the best, uh, film composer experience that I've had on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's awesome. Like a lot of these guys, I guess I've had a couple of guys that have like, done stuff for like superhero stuff or or whatever i, I don't even know but i like I, I think 
maybe in certain, maybe working with certain studios or whatever, like um, more or less the deadlines can be uh, like really intense. A lot of those guys, like Loki, they're like, man, I'm like so stressed. This is due two weeks from now, this and that. And um, no, but I feel like the ultimate paradise for a composer is to actually be like, creatively free and mm-hmm. just like given the opportunity to like just make the the best thing that comes to mind so that dude that I, that's awesome that like you you've had that like experience yeah it's been cool and like what's i feel like why i it's weird like just in my whole being like i love performing and i love doing my shit and making my music but it, i have a weird thing i don't know if it's a cultural thing or just a me thing or a scorpio thing i don't know <laughs> but like centering myself gets really old sometimes mm-hmm. like I, i'm kind of like okay like i'm I'm bad at self-promotion i'll oh, release yeah. something hey i'm released it and then i'm i get insecure or i just get bored i'm like yeah. all right i'm gonna go work on something else so it's really nice because with scoring i can service other people mm-hmm. and i think that's i don't know i would like recommend it for folks who like love making music and might not be figuring it out yet on their own you know yeah. it's like a really cool thing to just like kind of go off and do this shit and like yeah. i was listening to a do you listen to other tone with pharrell I don't. okay so it's a show on apple music it's uh pharrell and scott venner and they do interviews with artists okay. and they were talking to quincy jones recently oh, so i was listening wow. to that and it was such a cool and quincy jones he's such a like such, such a cat you know he like <laughs> yeah. he just like you go to jazz gigs and there's always like the old dude who's just like telling all this lore like yeah. that is like so Quincy Jones. <laughs> so I was listening to him and he was just saying he's like yeah like I'm I was uh, I'm I'm making it I'm servicing I'm making the best thing possible for these people mm-hmm. and I'm heightening it and like music is everything in film. So mm-hmm. it was a really cool way to think about it and like I think as I form my own career, you know I'm still figuring things out but like I do love that that aspect of it and i do love i love being a teammate as much as i love like being the center focus you know yeah and so i understand that role and i like i respect it and i'm i've worked really hard for it but also it's really cool to just yeah duck away for a little bit like i just worked on this podcast for warner music group and i was like doing the music for it It it's really dope it was cool like i don't have i'm still figuring out my own self-released music so i was like all right i'll just go pop over here and like work on something so yeah, it's it's really cool and like I love I love making shit cuz you can I don't know, you go to a studio or you just you're in your room or we're even talking right now and we have this memento, you know, we have yeah. something that's forever afterwards yeah. that we can look back on. And I love that with music cuz you can just make the shit and then you have like I literally before I got here I was at my studio recorded a freestyle, like nice. minute and a half long freestyle. I'm just like very very diligently talking about what I'm going through and like what my life is right now. And I just have that now, you know? It's yeah. just so cool. Like, I'll never get over the, the thrill of having these little these little scrapbooks yeah, lying yeah. around. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. I'm such a nerd about music. I fucking <laughs> that, love that's it. That's awesome, man. I, like, um, and I, I think it's, it's uh, like, I think at the end of the day, a lot of us in the arts, like, we're, we're all trying to, like, do, like, we're all trying to just communicate something or maybe even to some extent I know with a lot of artists like just doing this is like healing is just a good way to really get your mind out on something and then like to be able to and then it must be bizarre like this is experience I don't have in terms of writing like personal solo music like that feeling of somehow like 
just your own life experiences like resonating with other people and like you said it's forever too so like yeah no i can i can imagine just how addicting that feeling um is especially as you grow man because i'm 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 imagining like as you've just gotten more people like listening that like the feedback to you know whether the stuff that you've done um for film and tv or just like personally like i'm i'm sure like like, do you ever get feedback and you're like, damn, like, people really fuck with that, you know? Like, like, what what is that like? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, it's crazy. And, like, I, I am really grateful that, because I think of it as music to me is so cathartic. And so it's really cool. It's really a, a beautiful it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, okay, I I went to music to figure shit out about myself mm. and to express myself, and now it's helping others do the same for themselves. Cause like, I don't know. I love I love rap. Like I, it's like a fuck. It's like a dessert to me. It's yeah. like oh, it's so it's <laughs> so 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 good. And I love I listen to like a West Side Gun. Do you know West Side yeah. Gun? Yeah. So I listen to him. And, or I'm, I'm getting into Missy's discography right now, okay. Missy Elliott. Yeah. And so I'm just listening to these people and like they are so braggadocious and so self, self-centered self in a really good way, like yeah. a positive way. Talking about the shit they have or the shit they're striving for, the shit that they've overcome. And it has nothing to do with me. It is so many degrees of separation yeah. for me, but yet I take so much from it. So I think that's really cool, just that element of music. Like I am flexing my muscles and showing my scars and it's helping someone else heal, which is yeah. to me is the most gratifying thing of it all. And if it's not helping anyone, if everyone thinks it's trash, then it helped <laughs> me, you know? And it's yeah. just a great thing. It's exactly. like, so there's a, I, I meet a lot of friends who, God bless them, but like, you know, they're they're working on releasing their own music and they're hitting that wall. Cause I think a lot of artists do. And I remember hitting that wall too. Just like, it's not, not clicking or like, I'm, I need kind of like, finding excuses and yeah. nothing against them. Cause it is sometimes it's, there's a lot of, there's so many parameters that have to go right for you to like release your own shit. Yeah. But I, I, um, yeah, I really, I really want to push them to release their shit. Cause it's like, you don't know who you're helping. Like you, it's, yeah. it's the, the ethos, it just keeps going. And it's like, it's, there's so many things that could happen, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I'm really grateful and it's cool to like, it's cool to just like, service yeah service the narrative and get get the i don't know help the plot go further and like create a vibe create a an energy with the music and stuff so yeah yeah, that was really cool and doing like the subtleties and stuff like that like yeah it's really cool by the way hats off to you just because i was listening through um especially the um the uh soundtrack um for reservation dogs um like by the time I got to the last track, I was like, damn, that was like six or seven different vibes. Like mm-hmm. there's a, a, a rap thing. And then if you've got like your, your tracks that have, um, I put everything under this umbrella of stranger things vibes <laughs> of, in terms of just like the, okay, it's like, it, there's like, it's the melody is like, it's kind of synthy a little bit. I was like, man, like, look at this. Like, like there were, cause it went quickly from like a hype rap thing to somewhere. It's just like, Oh, like, it's kind of scary mm-hmm. you know and i was like damn I, I i love um the only possible knock i think you can give john williams <laughs> is that he hasn't fucked with enough 
like different sounds because mm-hmm. so it, like everything f- with him is like orchestral and mm-hmm. like the new school of compo- film composers um like i think nicholas Bertel does a great job of this he um you know the show succession yeah yeah, yeah so that guy like um like you guys like the, the the new generation like y'all are doing such a good job of like creating the the vibe you want but finding like a million different voices to do that with mm-hmm. so i mean even for you with your stuff um like what's that what's the process of you like figuring out like instrumentation um maybe maybe just like specific things in terms of like setting the vibe yeah I think I I think well I think part of why I I think the it's a it's a perfect combination of of me working with reservation dogs cuz the show is very you know a lot of the show is based on like a pastiche it's like kind of a reference to something mm-hmm. and so that's cool with the music cuz I get to try different stuff you know yeah. and I think also too it's yeah I think why composers are going in that way because you have like someone like um Lud- ludwig i forget how to say his last name but he works with yeah. um he did like black panther yeah. and he originally started with like uh childish gambino mm-hmm. doing a lot of the songs so you have a fool who was like making 3005 yeah. to like doing these like crazy tribal yeah. embellished shit for black panther yeah. so it's if you look at that trajectory it's like yeah i mean a lot of stuff is informed by the music that you love and the music that you grew up with or like the music that you've created. So for me, like hip hop is like, it, it, it kind of bleeds into most of what I do mm-hmm. in terms of a scoring standpoint for this, this podcast music that I just did for, for, um, for Warner. It was like, yeah, I mean, it, it was super creepy, you know, creepy like piano chords and like, and, and ominous, but there's still the, yeah. underneath because it's like I love adding that little shit you know what yeah. I mean like adding the kind of textural stuff and the stuff that harps on like where you're from where you what you were raised on and stuff right. like that I just think that's really cool and so yeah I don't know I think um, yeah I, I try to just keep it myself for the most part yeah. because I don't I don't want to just make what the references might be mm-hmm. and I don't want to make what is expected of mm-hmm. a, of a score. Yeah. And so I think that's what the soundtrack I was trying to do that too. I was like, yeah, I'll try something here, try something different there. Yeah. Just like make it exciting and make it possible for different people to get into. Cause personally, like not a knock on like film composing or anything like that. Cause I'm literally that, but like, man, I get tired of the, like the, <laughs> like I, and you know, cause I tried to be cute when I first started like, Oh, let me listen to film scores. Yeah. I could not get through most of them because it was like, oh my god, this is like a slog. It's just like, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh god, yeah. this is so bad. But then I listen to people like Nicholas Bertel, like um, if Beale Street could talk. That's like yeah. one. That's literally my favorite score. Like so beautiful. Yeah. Oh god, the, it's just like it just takes you somewhere else. It's such a beautiful score. Yeah. And so I, yeah, listen to stuff like that. I'm like, oh, it's possible to like build something and to like have an excitement. And maybe it's like the evolution of film that they're, they're pulling from different references and kind of creating more of a bricolage of like different influences and stuff, which helps the music establish the same type of territory. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's really cool. That's the exciting thing about scoring is like you can strut your stuff and you can try different things. And, you know, exploring subtlety was really big for me because if Mm. you listen to my earlier music, it's like, all right, how many 
fucking instruments can I cram <laughs> into one part? You yeah. know what I mean? And not knowing the the beauty of negativity, you know, the beauty yeah. of of giving space. And so with the scores, that taught me a lot of it, and it was cool. And it's like, I think you know when I st when the pandemic hit, I you know, all the shows got canceled, everything. And I was just doing nothing really. Cause I just graduated zoom college. Cause it was all like right. all online yeah. and yeah, I really wasn't doing anything. Yeah. And so that was like a really good time for me to just practice. I had no idea that scoring was even going to come up, but I was practicing shit. I was like, okay, let me try this different stuff. Let me yeah. like do it this way. And like kind of training in the dark, just like trying shit out not having an expectation. Yeah. And so that was really, that, that helped me a lot in my journey of, yeah, figuring stuff out and like, trying different things and like i think my I, I every time i leave a studio session or every time i just like work on something i think my goal for myself is to always like just surprise myself yeah you know yeah to like leave and be like oh i didn't know i could do that yeah. like that was cool that was whack or, you know what <laughs> i mean just like have an emotion to it have something have something resonate because yeah. i think that's really cool and so with the scoring and stuff like that it's been really exciting to like leave with those things and to like yeah and to just challenge yourself and to like, yeah, just have a different, have a different outcome than your own music. Cause I think that can be super, that can be suffocating, like, you know, and, and I've always, I've never been good at like, I'm, I'm getting better at it, but I've never been good at like getting studio sessions together with different artists yeah. and like jamming out and stuff like that. So scoring is kind of my jam out session yeah. in a way, cause I'm still collaborating. It's just in a different medium, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, that's kind of how I guess I approach different styles and stuff. Yeah, no, nah, that's cool, and and I think um, like again, like some of the uh, newer school or new school composers that have really, I, I've just found it so impressive that like you have to put your neck out there to sell like a vibe that isn't as obvious, especially if you're writing the, to a plot and maybe like you're getting a specific vibe. Like I think for example, succession, it's a somewhat conservative billionaire family. And I don't think that like what comes, comes to mind is like fucking insane piano melody over 808. like that, that, that does not come to mind for a fucking, a show about like the top 1%. Mm -hmm. And I think for him, the irony of doing something not, con you know, unconventional and then that becoming like a fan favorite theme song and people being like, man, like now I can't imagine what the show would be like if it didn't have that thing mm -hmm. that at once would have been considered like weird or this or that. Like that, I feel like that's what a lot of the new the newer um, film composers are doing are like they're 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 like making you like vibes that you didn't even know that you would like mm -hmm. and even dude with your um, with what you did on Reservation Dogs like I, I think you did a great job of like through throughout like listening to it I got the sense that like you were con the music was also conveying um this complicated life that these kids live um that's like going on in this community and like there were certain moments where like the music it's like you know it's this hard hip hop but like it never loses this kind of 
like a childlike quality in the music Mm -hmm. and that like there's still something like youthful and playful about it even if it's like discussing like some real shit Mm -hmm. and like i i feel like i feel like you did such a good job of of keeping it like if you never looked at it you could feel that like a big part of or like some like the main characters to some extent were kids like even if you like never seen the show you can hear that Mm -hmm. you can also hear that there's like really serious things being addressed like just from the musical elements so like but i think that's where and to me that's where you stood out in terms of like how you voice that so you chose hip-hop you chose this vibe you kind of have like a punk vibe and i remember like one of the tracks it's like man like like how you chose to set that tone is like really where I feel like y'all y'all stand out. I think you did a great job with Reservation Dogs, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's a really that's a sweet thing to hear. Like, cause I, I think that's the that was definitely the the goal. And I think just a product of who I am, you know, like I am I there's getting old and there's getting older, you know. Yeah. And I love the thought of getting older and not old. Yeah. You know? And so like, yeah, I, I love I'm not trying to be old at all. Yeah. I'm trying to take care of my skin. And like, <laughs> I'm not trying to be like, and I don't know, it's just, it's not, it's not in my capacity to try to be overly mature in anything. Mm-hmm. And, but yet not shy away from the, the, the task at hand and the problems at hand, you know? And I think that show is so, it's so revolutionary in a lot of ways. Cause it is, I think a lot of, you know, it's it's native and indigenous communities, but it's also just any marginalized community. There's always the degree that is assigned to folks that it's they're defined by what they've been through mm-hmm. and their trauma and their history and their the pity that goes on these groups and stuff. So that show is kind of the first of its kind in a way that it's it's not centering that, and it's it's showing that there's it's humanizing the experience and it's also centering yeah the innocence of these kids or mm-hmm. the the youthfulness or the 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 hilarity and like the the fun and stuff like yeah. that so yeah i wanted the music to reflect that too because i think it aligns a lot with my character with my music it's like yeah i mean shit's crazy yeah. you know like it's really wild out there yeah. but the y- you will not laugh more than you do in these communities yeah. you know yeah and so i wanted the music to be reflective of that because like yeah and, and it's just it wasn't it wasn't worth my time to try to do something that was overly dramatic or to like, yeah, just be something that the, the show isn't. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I wanted the music to reflect that. And luckily I'm really grateful that they gave me the freedom to do that. Yeah. You know, and it was, it's, it was really, really, I'm really fortunate to be in the position to like, yeah, try different stuff out and to maintain my spirit, maintain my composure. Cause I think I, I've been definitely been offered different things where I'm like, because it's like we're making a super serious documentary about climate change (laughs) and 80,000 penguins are dying every minute that people don't donate (laughs) like we need something for the music and I'm like it's not really me I'm sorry like I'm just not yeah I don't I'm not attached to that stuff I I always want to find the humanity I always try to find the good in stuff good in people and the good in stories and the good in and in the circumstance and so yeah the music is really cool with that and I wanted to uplift that so and yeah that was like the, 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 it was so fun because like I was making the soundtrack and like I love to rap and I love to be like I love to go hard like I just have that in my existence to yeah. like really just just rap the fuck out of shit you know yeah. and so it was really fun because I got to do that on the the soundtrack in some parts you know and just like 
strut my stuff and like have it service something too, which yeah. is really cool. Cause like, yeah, I'm, I'm conscious and I'm sensitive and I'm a person and I like, I, I understand the place for my, tw- my sort of space that I take up mm-hmm. as just a person and my identity and stuff. And so it was nice to like contribute like, Oh, I can rap and like, it can go somewhere, yeah. you know? Yeah. Me, I've always been interested from like an indigenous lens, like, cause so much of our, I guess like, our our own appreciation and appropriation of culture has come from a lot of like black and brown cultures, like you know Puerto Rican culture, black culture, all these different things like hip hop and stuff. Yeah. So I've always been interested because we have not, and I talk about this with my girlfriend a lot because we're both we're both native and we both we're both she's she she goes to Yale and she's she studies ethnic studies and so like I did media studies. So we're always like hypothesizing different stuff. Yeah. We were doing this yesterday, literally. But I was thinking about it, like, what are what are the degrees of expansion that Native and Indigenous creators can take that is outside of the lens of what has been just exposed to us and what is self-defining in a way? Mm. And it's just really interesting. It's just really interesting to me because I think it's like there's so much room and there's so much there's so much uncharted territory mm-hmm. in terms of what it means to be okay. I'm like an I'm an Indigenous artist and. I personally am so informed by these different other, you know, musical genres and like yeah. just just hip hop and like all these different things that are like an extension of just black culture. Yeah. So I'm, I'm always thinking like, what is like a way, what is the indigenous lens from that? Like what is our own, you know, I don't know, like landmark discoveries within our own thing, you know, because yeah. we've always, you know, every culture has their traditional music and their own traditional ceremonies and stuff. And so like, if we choose to go in this path, what is our own way? So like in my own music, I'm always thinking about that too. And like, mm. what is like, it's just interesting. It's just a cool way to think about stuff. And it, I think it's a way also to, to liberate from those different types of categorizations, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so it's really cool. I just think, and like back to fucking like Slauson and stuff like that to me is like pure, artistic freedom yeah you know and like it's just cool to me it's like that's really 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 like just it's like a it's just so important and there's so much emancipation to me in that you know where it's like you're just creating shit and like tapping into those emotions and not settling for what's expected and yeah i just think that's really cool yeah no that and and like i i think with a lot of um movies or things in film you know uh, i think people of color in you know millennials i th- it, we're trying to find i feel like we're now trying to find the balance mm-hmm. of creating things that um just like show our people like existing in what i would even say like almost purposefully uneventful in the sense that like the black story or the indigenous story does not always revolve around like the major conflict Mm -hmm. it like there's um like now we just we have like we're definitely i'm i mean i'm so glad that like black hollywood actors and directors and producers and shit have came out especially like it was somewhere around like the mid 2010s where they were like you know like maybe we should like not make five slavery movies a year. Like there's other, like there's black people who like, I don't know, like are like playing Xbox, just chilling. 
Like they're like, you know, they're probably happy. They're probably, and, and, and not that, so like that, finding that balance of like telling the important stories, but also showing that like you as an individual, like there are individual stories within this culture, this community, um, and just like showing, just showing us exist, like without this, um, cause I feel like that it, it ties into the creativity or it, it's a creativity thing plus feeling like what you maybe owe your people because you represent this community. So a lot of times I think that turns into like creating something that's like very serious and very like. I'm going to teach you something today about like the struggles of so-and-so yeah. and, and like, again, I mean, shit, uh, going back to reservation dogs, I think that, I think where it's a good is that like it, I, I, to me, it reels you in from just the fact that like the people I'm watching just off the first episode are just like interesting people. Mm -hmm. I just like, I just want to know these people's stories. Yeah. And then of course, through that, you're learning about, um, like you start to learn more about specific things, like things outside of that bubble that like uh, what they're dealing with, not just as individuals, but as a culture. And so I, anyway, I, I, I say all this just because in terms of the, on the topic of like being a person of color and then in the creative space, um, it's tough too, because I think producers and probably people you got to work with on certain things are probably like expecting you to write a certain story and then when you're like, oh, well, like, like, can I be black Seinfeld? Like, can I make the show about nothing? Like, yeah. does it have to be like a black dude that's like either in a gang or either in the NBA yeah. or, you know, whatever. So um, anyway, I, I say that in film, but I know, you know, in music too, uh, um, uh, black artists that are just like trying to create something it's like, yeah, like we, we got to throw you under that hip hop umbrella. We got to throw you just under whatever it is that like where, where you make sense. And that's tough. And I think it's also I think I saw this. Did you listen to Kendrick's new album? Yeah. OK, I saw this kind of transpire with the reception of that, because I think so going back to like my major and just what I'm kind of interested in, it's like contextualizing that stuff. So I think it was cool with Kendrick's album and a kind of a liberating component of it was allowing failure. Mm -hmm. Because I think with what you said about creating, you know, about the regular black person who just mm -hmm. plays Xbox and like might be late for work or like whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I feel like with a lot of representation of artists of color or just any people of color, it is, yeah, it's, it's this catastrophizing component yeah. to it where it's like, all right, they're going to go to jail yeah. or like, oh, the natives are going to get murdered. Yeah. Like it's just shit. Like it's always this yeah. like crazy life or death situation. And that dehumanizes our experience. Yeah. But I think what's cool about Kendrick's album and what is, what is telling, I think is like, you know, it's a flawed portrayal mm -hmm. of, of this character or it's just him. Like, it's kind of up to you, but like I, yeah, it's like a flawed thing. He's like not saying the, the, the right things that people might expect from a Kendrick album because he's, he's whittling away that saviorism complex yeah. that was assigned to him. So I think it's so interesting because it's like, okay, now for a lot of predominantly like white critics, he is not your star black artist anymore. Yeah. He's not talking about the things that you would expect from a 
an artist who spoke so directly to a lot of these movements that were going on yeah. with like Black Lives Matter and all these different things. Like he he's not your archetype anymore. Yeah. He whittled that down. He's talking some crazy shit. <laughs> he's talking about cancel culture. He's he's talking about his trans relatives and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just interesting. It was like, wow, you really got back to the center yeah. with this album. And I thought it was really cool. Yeah. And it was like so yeah, I don't know. It, it, to, and to me, why that's important is like, yeah, like I don't agree with everything he's saying, but it's like, damn, you're centering the humanity of the shit again. Yeah. Like you're bringing the reality back to these types of shit. Because I think that can be the, the, I don't know, the, the, sh the shitty part about what I think the age that we're in. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like weird. You have to like be very stringent in, the, in your political your realms yeah. and like what you represent. And I think that's super important because I'm very similar in most of those ways too. But then also it doesn't afford failure. And it's like, damn, like we're going to say wrong shit. Like yeah. we're still figuring this out. Yeah. And, and I think the, the more we allow ourselves to collectively heal on our own yeah. within our communities and with our art, then it, it allows less control from outside sources. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I just thought that was really interesting. I was like, yeah, Kendrick, he's just like, he's making people uncomfortable with the honesty in his lyrics yeah. and yeah. he's not your person anymore. Yeah. And that's literally how he ends the album. Like yeah. I choose me. I'm sorry. Like yeah. I was like, God, that, I'm, it's like, yeah, I was like, good for him. He's like really figuring that out and yeah. like taking, I guess the crown off yeah. and like being real with himself. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. No, I mean he, he, and, and in terms of what I, I think he represented with that um, album, it definitely goes to show that, um, hopefully not for too much longer. I definitely think we're heading in the right direction overall. But I think that um, people who have typically represented um, certain uh, struggles or experiences or movements, um, I think we're I think we're heading in the right direction of people like realizing that like what I create, uh, at least within the arts, like whatever art I create to like express this opinion that I as an individual have like made up my own mind on like what is going on and not choosing between like the two major opinions on this matter, which is either like in today's world, liberal or conservative. Mm -hmm. but, like you've actually come up with like a very specific thought on these experiences yourself and i think a lot of artists um uh in different communities are like really starting to create things where they're expressing like their specific thoughts on things and i and that's that's where we i think i mean shit can only get better if we keep heading in that direction i think shit can only get because i think that's why we have Atlanta. I think Atlanta is such a great show because it's like, it's, it's just, it's Donald Glover's like little playground and like <laughs> the shit that's going on in his head. Yeah. And like, I don't think he could, I don't think we could have made a show like that 15 years ago. Yeah. You know? So we're definitely, definitely heading in the right direction for sure. Um, and, um, man, there was something that you said. I, I think I, it may have, uh, you said it earlier that I wanted to comment on um, it was about when you were working on your stuff. This is like just a random jump. This is not <laughs> a smooth segue. But you were saying um, 
the it's like the little things like you spend an hour uh trying to like nail a harmony with your friends like those little things uh, that popped back up in my head and uh-huh. um i've always noticed that um like people like obviously most people aren't an expert in you know the millions of things that they'll come across in their lives but everyone can always See, everyone seems to always recognize when something is done with like great care, mm-hmm. and so like even if it's not that like one measure, like they might not notice that one, but like that like that like vibe of like oh someone like made this sweater like it's ha- like it's handmade or like just like that extra attention like pe- I think I feel like we can all identify that in different se- set like areas of our life like when we're experiencing something it's like man i know so like whatever this is like someone like really gives a fuck about that mm-hmm. and that i think is like i mean as an artist like what more could you want than like people to like then for people to listen to your stuff and be like damn like this guy clearly gives a fuck about what he's doing you know yeah. what i mean so that's i mean but that's just cool though that like as a composer that like that that for you is like that's what gives you that like extra juice of just like figuring out those little things, you know? I, so how I even found your podcast was yeah. I love interviews. I love artist interviews. Yeah. I think they're so sick and they feel it's, it's weird. It's like a, it's like a healthy dessert to me yeah. where it's like, okay, like I'm, I'm, I'm clocking out, but also I'm like learning about stuff and it's really interesting and I'm not, I don't read well. Like I've never <laughs> yeah, been, I've never been way. someone who reads. So like you're helping me read in a way or like <laughs> not reading, but I remember I read this interview from the actor Daniel Day-Lewis and he was, so he was getting interviewed, but he was also, he's, he's an artist, artist too. Mm. Very Slossa Malone-esque. Yeah. Right? The, the interview he was, he retired from acting to become a, a wood, like a, a woodworker, like a craftsman basically. Oh, like just like that type of shit. So I was like, this is great. This is the best interview. And I remember the, 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 the writer, I forget their name, but they were describing his outfit that he was wearing. I don't even remember what he was wearing, but they used these three words that I apply to. That's like my mantra, basically. They described his style as having craftsmanship, utility, and uniqueness. Mm. And I was like, those words, oh. Wow. I read it over and over again. And it was just an arbitrary article I found on Daniel Day-Lewis because I watched Phantom's Thread, which is one of my favorite oh, movies. Nice. And so it's just about, it's just, interviewing him basically about that but they described his outfit like that and i was like damn i'm going to apply that to everything in my life like legitimately like everything in my life and specifically with music too because what you said i i've explained this to friends before i like music that sounds like it was made from someone's someone's fingerprints are still on the track and all of my favorite artists that i can think of are very particular like that it sounds like they made the shit Oh no, that was uh, the camera, but it's it's fine though. It's fine. Okay, yeah. cool. Thought the cookies were ready or something. No. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I I love shit that feels like it was sculpted and like, yeah, just the handiwork of stuff like that is super super important to me. And with that comes flaws, you know. With yeah. that comes a weird mix. Yeah. Or man, that hi hat is like bursting through right now. Yeah. Or you know, or the yeah, the cadence kind of fell off. But like I think that's so beautiful and I think that is super 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 important. Yeah. And yeah, I love that and that's a little thing to me too is making sure it sounds like there's 
the craftsmanship utility and uniqueness to something and the utility like it's has a purpose and yeah uniqueness is just it's fresh yeah you know it's a new take on something yeah yeah no it's um it's uh i remember what i was like 12 when i was just like flipping through channels and um goodfellas had just like happened to start like like right at the beginning of it so i was like fuck it like let's watch this because i was i was just that weird kid that was like really into like mafia shit fucking 12 and i was like all right i haven't seen this one and um i remember like i kept rewinding the first um 10 minutes because like because the way he was just like introducing like the characters and the conflicts and stuff i was like damn like i've never it's like wow like why is this so good to me? Like, why is this so fucking good? And then, of course, like, years later, I, I, after watching the movie for, like, the 20th time, I, like, research, like, I learn more about it and learn about, like, the particularness that, like, with every shot, with every scene. And as, like, a 12-year-old, I could recognize that this thing was being done at a higher quality than I've seen like other things in film being done, but like obviously I don't I don't have like the film uh, knowledge to like be like oh well like that shot different like but but I, I was still able to recognize that like this thing I'm looking at is like the highest uh, quality mm-hmm. and so I, I try to like I remember that when like like just like putting effort into anything or creating anything is that like. They're, they're it for the people that like are meant to like find your stuff or they're gonna be a fan of it there's gonna be some ex- unexplainable thing to them that like like that's why they fall in love with it you know and I don't know it's, it's just such a great it's such a great it's such a great feeling of like stumbling like upon something that you just know is really good but like you just you don't know why mm-hmm. you know you just but you just really like it and and man i don't know i, I think uh um oh and last thing i'd say because something that again like that you said that keeps resonating with me in terms of why i think you've probably found the success that you found um uh of, in terms of you just realizing like you know this could be cool let's just do it and diving into it. Um, cause I, I don't know, man, I think, I think that attitude is, um, I would say with people in our, our age in general, it's not there enough, but it's mm. definitely not there enough for like artists, our age, you know, cause I know everything is intimidating and all that, but I just feel like you just have the, like the right attitude in terms of just being like, Oh, like, that's cool i'm gonna do it and let's see what comes from it um you know something i've been i've been like um i don't know why like uh, i've been like saying this to myself for like the past six months every now and then not that i have any plans on running for president but like i'll like anytime like i get like i lose like like i'm like like in a slump or whatever like or i'm like feeling negative about like goals I'm pursuing, maybe they're tough or whatever, I'll, like, say something to me, like, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll just be like, you know what, the, di- the biggest difference between 
like, why am I not president? And like, why is Joe Biden president right now? Like the biggest, the single biggest difference is that he ran for president. I didn't. Mm. So it, like, I don't know why, like I've been like telling myself that I don't even know how I came up <laughs> with that, but like, it, like it's been a reminder for me that like, that like the step one for becoming, obviously the, there's, it's probably way, starts way earlier than that. But step one um, for becoming president is fucking running for president. And mm-hmm. then, like, that's, like... So, anyway, I've been saying that to myself as, like, a reminder to, like, not shoot myself down before really even, like, getting into whatever I'm trying to get into. But that... Anyway, I, I say that because that mentality that you have of... Um, um, I just really respect that. Like, coming from South Dakota... And then, like, making it in L.A. Um, and what, I'm guessing you're, you're 25 right now? 24. 24, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, dude, that, that's impressive as fuck. But that, that attitude, though, I feel like that you came in with it. Like, that, that's the only way you could be here at your age, mm-hmm. I feel. So, that, that's cool. Have you, always, have you just, like, always been like that in terms of just, like, fuck it, let's just do it? I want to say first, that was a crazy mantra that you have for yourself. Oh. Like, the only reason why I'm not yeah. president. <laughs> Yo. And fucking Joe Biden. No, I'm joking. <laughs> so, that's, no, that's true, though. That's a really good, that's a good way to think about it. And there's no degrees of separation, you know what yeah. I mean? Especially after a dude like Trump. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, Wait, oh, sorry, and I don't, no, not, not to interrupt, but he, I think he is president because he literally... He, he, I feel like he thinks like that all the time with everything. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he literally one day was like, oh, that's why I'm not president. Because like I've never ran for it. Yeah. And as many terrible fucking qualities as that man has, mm-hmm. like we all need a little bit of like, oh, like I just haven't gotten there yet. Just be, like I just haven't done what's needed for me to get that thing. Like that's why I don't have it. You yeah. Know? Anyway, I just want to know. No, no, no. That's true. That. That's true. I think for me, I, yeah, I don't know. I've, I feel like I've had a lot of, I mean, I have a, a ton of insecurities, but there are some things that I just never uh-huh. doubted myself on for some reason. Uh-huh. And it, they're just certain things and they're, they're weird things. Some of the, like, one of them was like, okay, I, I can put on a fucking show. Like yeah. that was one of the things growing up. I just knew I, that was something in my bag. And I also had this crazy confidence that I was like really good looking, like a step. But I like if you see photos of me, I was like the cutest little chubby like native girl. Like I had long hair. Like I just like and but I had this unbridled confidence. Yeah. Like and I remember my dad. He would always say this like because you know growing up I, it was a very white neighborhood that I grew up in and very white schools and stuff. So weren't a lot of kids that looked like me. And I remember I would be with like my white friends and stuff and they would all have girlfriends or whatever. And I was like, I was a like late bloomer and long hair and like hair, beautiful hair. It was really nice, but like, just like, didn't look like everybody else. Yeah. And I remember my dad would be like, you know, these boys, these kids that you're running around with, they're, you know, they're, they're good looking, but shit, you're handsome. Like you're <laughs> Hollywood. Like you're handsome. You're a handsome young man. And that like, I was like, fuck yeah, I am. Like, but I still was like 13 and like you know, five foot four and like it didn't hit a growth spurt. And like, so it's just weird. I had these like weird things of confidence that like I never really doubted. Um, But with music, I don't know, specifically with music, like 
and a lot of praise to those who I looked up to. Mm. And I remember this guy named Royal. He he was a rapper from South Dakota, from Sioux Falls, the city that mm. I grew up in. And he it was another kind of aha moment where I saw him on stage and I was I was sixteen and I was it was four twenty, I remember. So I was really high. <laughs> and I was with my friends and we went to like a show at a bar. It was just like a random bar and he was performing. And he was a couple of years older. He was eighteen, I was sixteen. And I remember being in the crowd and he was performing and it, I was transfixed. I was like, wait, that's the same guy I just talked to like 20 minutes ago. Yeah. And he's up here like rapping his heart out. And I was like, oh my God. And then I went to his like home studio and we were just talking and I was like, I was getting jitters. I was like so nervous to talk to this dude. And I was like, damn. And then I left and I was so inspired and I was like, I can do it. Like I can literally do this. So a lot of thanks to him for just like showing that it was like somewhat possible to even do it. And like, I don't know. So there were just moments like that. And then once I heard my voice, like the first song my friend Fouad and I ever made was over a Jay Dilla beat called baby. Yeah. And it was off of his 2003 album, the shining and mad lib is on that album too. He's on that song. He's rapping. I don't think he produced it. I think he's just rapping. Mm. And then, Guilty Simpson, you can catch, you can catch Guilty Simpson at a rave, something you can catch Guilty Sim, you can catch Guilty Simpson at a rave with Babe packing a forty-eight dub and a razor blade, something like that. <laughs> something like I remember that line forever, but yeah, my friend Fouad and I recorded. I remember I'm tell, tell the whole story. So I was I was in like baby jail basically because I my mom caught me for everything. Like I got like I was I got I was so I self sabotaged because I was like. I remember I was on my way to work because I, I worked since I've like been like 11. I've always had these random jobs. And so I was working at this restaurant called Stars. And I, to like, it was like the old days before iCloud and stuff. So yeah. to get all my music, and I, I torrented all my music anyway. So <laughs> to get my music like onto my phone, I had to plug it into my computer and then download the MP3s onto my phone. Yeah. And so I remember every time it asked to do that. Oh, no, there was cloud because that's how I got caught. But um, I, it said, like, do you want to upload your, your photos to the, to the cloud? Oh, yeah. And I always said no. I was always like, hell no. I have incriminating shit. <laughs> but for some reason, I was like, whatever. So I did it. And then, oh, God, I'll never forget this. I was driving on my way to work. And my mom calls me. And she was like, so your photos uploaded to the cloud. And I was like, okay. And she's like, you're grounded for the rest of summer. And I was like, and I was trying to fight it at first. I was like, what do you mean? There's nothing on there. And then, yeah. So anyway, fast forward, I was in drug counseling. I was like, I was just that like shitty little kid. Yeah. And so I was, I remember I was, I was like sitting there at my place and I found the the instrumental for that Jay Dilla song. And I texted my friend Fouad and Fouad and I would go to parties together and we would just freestyle and it was horrible we'd freestyle or we'd go pick up mcdonald's and we'd freestyle and i'd known him since like seventh or eighth grade because we used to play like ball together at the y and then we went to the same high school and so i remember i texted him and i was like hey do you want to like rap do you want to like start like do you want to come over and rap or make a song and he was like hell yeah and i was like yes (laughs) so i was i was in baby prison so i couldn't see any friends i was i was getting drug tested i like couldn't go anywhere but my mom was like, okay, Fua can come over. 
And so I went and picked him up and then I picked Fwad up and he turned out to be in baby prison too. He got in a fight with his dad and his parents, his dad is from Ethiopia. And so he has like a strange kind of like different relationship with the police and stuff like that. Yeah. And so he, I remember he, we would joke and he'd be like, yeah, anytime I get in an argument with my dad, he like calls the police on me. <laughs> and so, yeah, he got in a fight with his dad. So like Fouad was in trouble too. And so we, I picked him up and we could just commiserate about that. Yeah. So we went to my place and like made music. And the moment I heard our voices on the track, I was like, this is over. Wow. Like my life has been decided. Like I'm wow. going to be doing this. And so, yeah, I don't know. It was just a weird, I don't really know what it was. I felt like I, I think my, 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 my mission and my vocation was kind of missing in my life mm -hmm. up to that point. And I was young and I'm not any kids who are going to listen to this. I don't want you to think you need to know <laughs> what you want to do when you're 16. But I, I was really, you know, impassioned to like do some shit. Yeah. And I, I played sports and that was like my trajectory basically was to play sports somewhere. But yeah, I found music and I was like, no, this is actually, this is what I need to do. Wow. And it just evolved to then. And it was, it was cool because it was very like, it was very independent. It was very insular. It was very outside of school. And it was interesting too to like not, cause, and I praise people, I praise folks from LA or even from Baltimore, anywhere where there's like infrastructure for music yeah. where it's like, there is a scene, you know, because yeah. in South Dakota, there's there, you know, there, there was a scene, but it just wasn't necessarily what I was looking for. Mm. And so it was interesting to like kind of form it on my own, like literally just in my room alone to be like, OK, I guess this is kind of what I'd like to talk about. Or this is kind of the sound I'd like to talk about and yeah. stuff. And so it was a privilege in a way to like not have met many contemporaries in a way because I could like really just meld my own shit. And so, yeah, I just kept going from there. But I don't know. I don't know what it was. I think, you know, you know when you like, I'm sure for you it might be like a riff or like some like just like a phrase that you do that people are like, ooh, yeah. like they get the stank face. They're like, Phew. yeah, like to me that like Phew, takes me somewhere else, you know, yeah. like playing something and your friends are like, dude, like, yeah. and so that that type of shit just fuels me and stuff. So. Yeah, I don't know. It's been a weird, but it's also you know that has not been a through line. Definitely, like it's definitely it 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 wanes and sometimes it, it skyrockets. Sometimes it's not there at all. And yeah. I remember when so my dad passed away in 2020, and I remember this was like a month and a half after he passed. I was back in LA because I was in South Dakota for everything, and I came back to LA. And I remember I was like, I just couldn't like fathom releasing music anymore. I was just like, I don't know what to do. And not that like. I was releasing it ever just for my dad. Like he was a big supporter, but like, I don't know, it was a weird thing. I like, I felt broken in a way yeah. from like a confidence standpoint. And I remember I spoke to my manager and we were talking and he said something so important. He said, confidence is built and it's practiced. It's some people are just born with unbridled confidence, yeah. but uh, you know, he, t he just said that it's, it's built. And yeah. he said something really important. He said, you are in a different arena now. And so it comes with a new form of confidence mm. and you have to build that as you go. And it's, it's not really given it. And I was like, that's so important. And like yeah. the next day I released like a freestyle video, like very not like low commitment, just like a, a video of me rapping. Yeah. Cause like I hadn't been public like that since I lost my dad. And honestly, since like March of 2020, cause it was like everything happened with the pandemic yeah. and shit. And so my confidence was really distorted. And so yeah, I was like, I had to like basically like inch my way back into what I am now, you know, and it was a really interesting thing. I just learned a lot about confidence in that way. So yeah, 
that's kind of, I guess that was kind of the way that I found my way to that stuff. Yeah. And even I still, I mean, even this morning I was like ordering some merch for some shows I have coming up and I, that confidence waned again. I was like, should I really buy 500 stickers? Like, I don't think that many people are going to want them and stuff. But I had to retrain my brain. I was like, no, fuck that. And I was like, everyone's going to want them. And yeah, so I had sure. to, like, rewire my brain to think that way. Yeah. And so it's, a, it's an interesting thing. And it, it's like, I think the people I look up to do have this, like, maniacal sense of confidence where it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm so dope. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm the best. And so I, yeah, I, I carry that kind of feeling too in a lot of ways but it does yeah it, it falters and stuff like that and it's just like it's crazy and i think you you learn to do for self after all that stuff happens yeah. you know yeah yeah no i mean definitely two things for me in the confidence department that have always kind of like with me back in the shape mentally is one i've always i've always like told myself like um like be confident just because like what choice do you have and like mm -hmm. trying to simplifying it it's like okay you're either confident or not confident so like which, which one are you choosing in the sense that in those moments where you're talking to yourself internal internally and you're like maybe reflecting on something or trying to do something maybe just whatever that like kind of gets you like in your feelings or scared or whatever, I'll just say like, like you, you just basically have to be your, your own biggest cheerleader all the time because mm -hmm. like you're like you are, I, I don't think there is a neutral stance in how we think. I think you are actively supporting or actively shooting yourself down. Mm -hmm. at all times I, I i don't really know what neutral would look like maybe like indifference yeah kind of don't care indifference is almost worse yeah i mean to not yeah i mean yeah yeah uh, especially for artists i mean you, you you're what people see or hear needs to be coming from somewhere real negative or positive mm -hmm. and yeah indifference is probably worse but um yeah, so you know, just being your own biggest cheerleader and that, like, especially the confidence is built part, I definitely agree with that. And I've, in my head, I've always said it as, like, um, like moments as a kid or even just um, earlier in my adulthood. I'm 25 now, but, like, um, so many moments where, like, you almost, you have to remind yourself the amount of times, like, you've like pulled yourself out of the fire when like things were getting bad and like you have to, cause like for me, I remind myself of those moments. Um, just to, just like, like kind of hype myself up be like, Oh, like you've been battle tested in, in many ways. And like prop and, and as you, especially I think as you go, like where I'm at now is I'm realizing that like, that feeling uh, like questioning yourself comes with the territory of like asking for more in life. Mm -hmm. Like if you're, if you're trying to always go up levels then like that means like the ground is going to be shaky, like basically all the time, mm -hmm. but like you have to embrace the like lack of like 
solid footing. Like you have, you have to like, like if that's what you're asking from the world, if you're asking to keep going up, like it's just going to be bumpy. So I, I don't know for me, I just, I just tell myself like, man, like the, the, the doubt and the self doubt, it's there just simply because like you're not, especially right now in my life, like not trying to find, like, there's no settling right now in terms, you know, especially in the career stuff. So it's like, yeah, like you're going to be uncomfortable for a while. <laughs> like you may as well just fucking embrace it. Like I think knowing you're going to be uncomfortable mm -hmm. is it's so much easier to deal with that than for it to all feel random. Yeah. You know, cause it definitely isn't like you're asking to be great in something like you're asking every day you wake up, you're asking to be, uh, a great musician, great composer. Um, I'm, I'm asking to be a great podcaster and musician myself. And um, I remind myself, it's like, man, if I, if I didn't want that pressure, I wouldn't be doing stuff that was so damn fucking like high pressure. You yeah. know what I mean? So you, you got to embrace the things that you've asked for. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that anyway, that, that, that's kind of like, that's the, the mindset that I have. It's like, man, I, I asked for this. Yeah. You know? No, I always, I always feel like that. I, I'm always like, man, I wanted this. Why am I stressed out about it? You know what I mean? Or like, mm -hmm. it, there's like, you know, be careful what you say to the universe because it might listen. You yeah. know, it's just like, it's, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. And it's so funny. I feel, well, it's not funny. It's actually sad how like, I feel like a lot of artists, and I think it, it could be just the way we're programmed to think in terms of like s some sort of satisfactory level. But yeah, it's like you you achieve something or you get something and then it becomes, it, it becomes a thorn in your back or it just becomes an annoyance or something. And it's, it's weird. I think it's like when you meet shitty parents yeah, and you're like, you asked for it. like you know no, for so, some of the yeah. time some of the time they did sometimes you know there's different circumstances but like for folks who like made this made the decision to have kids it was like you can't now be a shitty person like yeah. you asked for this shit like <laughs> yeah. you literally did the steps and yeah. now you're not following through you know yeah. it's just a weird thing and like yeah i don't know i think that's i think that's a good way to think about it yeah and like make yeah i i love i think what you said is really important about embracing the the flux or embracing whatever life gives you yeah. because i think i've experienced that too in my own life with like if things are like so bad it's one this is just how i cope with stuff is like this is so bad it's funny like this is like <laughs> this is crazy right now like what's going on and then also it's a way to really it it's it, for me it's deepened my emotional intelligence and my relationship to others by really like really feeling what I need to feel yeah. you know what I mean like just experiencing loss like whether it be death or just rejection or something like in those moments I am visibly how I'm feeling and I don't want to push that shit down or I don't want to take a drug or I don't want to you know be a man about it and yeah. you know let the toxicity override everything and just bottle it up you know like having the privilege of just expression yeah. and feeling that shit, I don't know, it deepens everything, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's kind of our duty, I feel like, as artists too. If yeah. you're if you're not if you're not living moment to moment in a way that is 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 somewhat, you know, grounded in your truth and just having a sensibility to things, then yeah, like what are you doing, man? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I remember um 
this rapper Lucky X and and Earl Sweatshirt too. They both say this. They're like rap is reporting. Mm. You know, it, you're a reporter. Yeah. So that means you're reporting on your life. You're reporting on the streets. You're reporting on. Oh. And I was like, that's a really. And it made me really think about art in a different way. I was like, it is reporting, and like I don't need to. Yeah, pretend about anything. Yeah. And it's actually a detriment if you do, yeah, you know? And absolutely. I, I don't know. I feel like that, yeah, that relates to confidence in a way where it's like, yeah, live in this shit. If it's yeah. like horrible, then like strut it. You yeah. know what I mean? Hell yeah. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, man. It, it's, uh, um, yeah, there's a, there's a, I mean, we're, I feel like we're touching on just shit that like, um, just as a person, like you have to be, I guess, mindful of, um, as you're living your life, but definitely, I feel, I, I mean, with artists, it's just like a lot of this stuff is just like, yeah, but like times 10 <laughs> just cause, um, yeah, you can definitely be in a lot of in vulnerable situations. We're definitely in situations where ego can get the best of you or just fear, just flat out fear. And I think having a way to recognize and deal with that stuff, um, again, as a person, but definitely as an artist, I mean, how the fuck else do you keep going, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, damn. Anyway, dude, I mean, before we uh, before we wrap up, I'm just interested with you in terms of like, so, you know, what what can we, what, what are you, what's on the horizon? What's on your mind? Like, what, anything mm-hmm. coming up? Well, let's see. I'm going to go get some food <laughs> and I'm going to fucking go hang out with my girlfriend. Yeah. And, but... Other than that, kind of <laughs> what you wanted to hear was um, I'm going to be, um, let's see, I have some gigs coming up in the next couple of months. Um, and so I'll just be doing those. And then it's interesting. I feel like with scoring, it's it's been, it's it's the whole year has kind of been like a departure from what I'm used to mm. with just like creating in general, you know, because it's like doing things that aren't for me. And it's 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 yeah de it's decentralizing myself, which is really good I think, and I it, that's what's exciting about it you know because I feel like if you're a solo artist, it's, ugh, yeah, like you always want to talk about yourself, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. just it can be really to me it's just agonizing sometimes. Yeah. So that's been really nice with scoring. It's been a departure from that, and sometimes sometimes the way my brain works is like I do need to just take orders. Like I I knock on wood but i i do miss working in the service industry a little bit because mm. i worked in food my whole life and sometimes like i need 12 pizzas in 10 minutes and yeah. i'm like got it and like going into zen mode and yeah. working and shit so scoring can be like that sometimes yeah. where it's just like okay i'm i'm tapping into that different dimension right now spiritually yeah and it's not for me it's for something else yeah and so that's really cool so um i yeah i'm finishing out the year with a couple of different projects and then I want to, yeah, get back into my own stuff, though, so I'll just be working on that, and uh, I do, I'm a part of this this program with Netflix and this organization called Illuminative, right. and it's basically like a producer's program, mm-hmm. so it's basic, but like a film producer, so like how to c- create your project from a producer standpoint, because mm-hmm. I think my uh, attitude to music can sometimes carry over to film, where it's like... I don't need to be the star of the show. Like I like to, I like organizing. I like putting shit together. Yeah. Like, and that's why I loved having a band too. It was great. Like, yeah. oh shit, I know this hella good 
trombonist and like he knows a drummer and then they like okay let's bring it all together and synthesize and stuff so yeah i'm a part of that so we just we it's basically like a cohort and we just meet and so that's been really cool and then yeah res dog season two coming out august 3rd um and then yeah just different shows and stuff a few a few in the area in la and stuff and just like around the country so yeah oh yeah i'll be doing that Dude, that's cool as fuck, and I'm I'm excited to, um, of course, just tune into um, Reservation Dogs the second season, just see what you come up with musically. Um, but, dude, I I can't thank you enough for this, man. This is fucking awesome. I, I could I could just tell from like when you um, just first reached out. It's like, yeah, this is gonna be a good conversation. Yeah, so. thank you, man, and thank you too. I mean, this podcast is. I'm really, really drawn to it because, yeah, just the different degrees of people that you interview. Also, like, real quick, how do you, like, how do you meet the AI people? Like, how do you go about, oh. is it just you reaching <laughs> out to them? Because it's yeah. like. It's literally me just, I, I reach out to people, like, in the blue. Okay. And I just, I'm just like, hey, I just, I want to learn about something or, or learn about you or whatever. And, um, yeah, like, 99% of the time, like, thankfully most people are like you know what fuck it like that sounds cool so yeah no most like i started off the podcast of course naturally like with people that i knew either personally or just through like one degree of separation and then like i realized um i was like all right like eventually I'm just going to run out of human beings. And I know, like, I, I just need to put myself out there and like fucking cold call, cold email. And I, I, I love it too. Cause like I, I get people are like so fucking lost to, to like, especially when I, um, and I, I've done now I'm, I'm doing less cold calls now <laughs> just because like I'll get uncomfortable for how uncomfortable they are. And it's not even, it's not that they're even uncomfortable about, the fact that someone's calling them and being like, hey, would you like to be on a podcast? It's just so uncommon for people to get phone calls where they're being asked for something, but like somehow there's not money involved. Like, and they're just yeah. like, wait, like, really? Is this happening? Like, is someone like calling me right now for like a fucking podcast? And I was like, yes, like, this is real. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but like emails, like, you know, it gives people like a second to like digest what's going on. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, you know, I've realized calling people to be on a podcast randomly gives like the same effect as like a Jehovah witness being like, Hey, you ready to like serve God today? Like, ah, okay. It's not that bad because like most of them were yeses, but a lot of the people were just like, wow, I just like was not expecting that. Yeah. Um, but Anyway, I appreciate the the compliment on the podcast, man. It's been a lot of fun and um, literally would not be possible without people being willing to entertain me and just have me ask them a bunch of shit. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm grateful for anyone that's tuning in, man. So thank you for that. Of course. Yeah. Um, And speaking of, for people listening, um, like I always say... um, you know, thank you for making it to the end. Um, this is a song called Life, and we're out. Yeah.